So what scares you? What scares you? What are the things that scare you? Stick up your hand. What scares you? Karen? Being out of control. Being out of control. That is scary, isn't it? Not knowing exactly where everything should be. That's a scary thought. Uh, Mike? Sharks. Sharks. Yep. They can be very scary. We were at the wall the other day, Hannah and I watching uh, Alexander. Actually, Alexander wasn't out there. Hamish was out there surfing. And there were heaps of dolphins, but some of them had slightly different rear dorsal fins. They were a bit sharper than normal, and we had to watch them for a while because we thought they might have been sharks. But they weren't, thankfully. They can be scary, can't they, sharks? Any other, any other things that scare Alexander? Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber. Yeah, he is very scary for a 15-year-old. <laughs> I saw a hand down the back somewhere. Any other scary? Yeah, they can be very scary. There's actually a phobia that goes with that one. Uh, Bob, you're not by yourself. There's a number of them out there. They're things that scare us. The dark, uh, mother-in-laws, uh, people sometimes have a fear of bald people. People have a fear of things, uh, heights, fear of heights. People have fear of sharks. People have fear of being out of control. People have fear of uh, peanut butter sticking to the roof of their mouth. That's a real fear. Benjamin? That would be scary, finding a, a used cigarette butt in the bottom of your chips. Very scary. Uh, there are, there's lots of things out there that scare us, aren't there? And we all have fears in some way. Uh, and those fears can go from just mild fears that don't stop us doing things to fears that can be debilitating and actually stop us from doing just about anything. We all face them at different times. But what about as Christians? What fears do we find as Christians? What things make us scared? What about as Christians whether we uh, fear that all this stuff that we have is just a sham and isn't real? What about if there is no heaven, as John Lennon's song goes, which doesn't give you much hope of anything, does it? And what about all this Jesus stuff? Is it true then... How am I going to live this? How am I going to do this? How am I going to survive in a world that really doesn't want to believe in Jesus and actually is quite anti-Jesus and how he'd want us to live? How can I live in this world that's like that? How do I live out what I believe? It can be scary, can't it? Well, that's exactly the situation that Jesus' mates, his disciples, find themselves in in John chapter 14. In John chapter 13, Jesus has told them that he's going away, that he's going to die and he's going to leave them, that he's going to go to the cross. And they are scared, aren't they? Imagine you've just spent three years of your life, you've given up everything, family, home, job, you're following this guy around and then the next minute you're told that he's off. He's leaving. Your main man, your team leader, the guy that you've given your life to, the guy that you're hanging your life on, says he's out of here. He's going to die. I reckon I'd be worried. I reckon I would be concerned about just about everything about him. How am I going to live? How am I going to survive? How am I going to live without Jesus being around? Can I be sure that everything that he said, what, can I be sure of what he, can I be sure that there's going to be an eternity? Can I be sure 
They're going to survive without Jesus with me. He's been with us for three years. He's done everything. He's taken the heat. He's taught us. He's shown us. He's done miracles. And now he's going to leave. Opposition is backing up. The community is getting angry. The Pharisees are looking to cause big trouble. How am I going to survive? Well, Jesus going is actually going to be the best thing that could ever happen to them. And it's going to be the best thing for you and me. This is a stunning truth and one that blows the disciples away and one that is phenomenal for you and me and one that removes all fear. It's Jesus' major concern in the discourse that we're going to be looking at in John chapters 14 through to 16 is that his disciples have their fear taken away and their confidence restored. Uh, in John chapter 14, verse 1, we're going to look at it in a minute, he says, do not be anxious, do not fear. In John chapter 14, verse 27, he says, do not fear, do not be anxious. In John chapter 16, verse 1, he says, I tell you these things so that you won't go astray. So that's the context for what we're about to look at today. We're going to read different parts. We're not just going to have one reading. We have a number of different readings as we go through this this morning. But I want to keep you, you need to know the context to understand why Jesus does these two chapters, the biggest discourse that we hear of him in one go in the whole of John and the biggest discourse that we hear in the whole of the Bible about the Holy Spirit. So it's a vital passage for us to understand and that context makes big sense about why Jesus teaches us this. So let's have a look at it together. Let's have a look and see why the best thing for the disciples and the best thing for you and me is that Jesus leaves. Strange, isn't it? you think the best thing would be that he was actually here. Let's have a look at John chapter 14, verses 1 to 6. First one goes up there. It says this, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus firstly comes to them and says, your eternity is secure. That's what he wants to say in the first. They're worried about what's going to happen and Jesus says to them, first off, guys, your eternity is secure. I'm going to prepare a place for you and I'm going to come back and take you to where I am. He says, I know where I'm going, I'm preparing it for you. There's that old uh, song, isn't there, um, it says, we'll meet again, don't know where, don't know when. Jesus says, we'll meet again, I do know where and I do know when and I'm the way there. That's what he says in this. He says, we don't have to fear death. Uh, Jenny's talk at the beginning was great, wasn't it? At age of 10, that fear, and she has that certainty to know that when she dies, she's going to be with God in heaven. And that's what Jesus is saying here. We don't need to, the disciples don't need to fear death. Uh, the other day I was standing uh, looking at the beach. I've just decided that I need to look at the beach more often because I tend to spend a lot of my time in the office. So I went down to the beach and there was a bloke there and he says, how good is this? And it was, it was a gorgeous day. He says, I wouldn't be dead for quids. You've heard that before? 
Oh, yeah, sir. Some say, the other one said to me, he says, uh, how's it, how are you going? And they said, oh, great. And I said, well, what's been happening? He says, oh, every day above ground is a good day. And you think, why do they say that? They say that because they have either an uncertainty or a fear or a hopelessness in death. Don't they? Because they think in some way... Death is either the end or death is got to be worse than what is here now. But Jesus says to that it is completely the opposite. Death, you're going to be with me for eternity. He says, I've gone to prepare a place for you. I've gone to prepare rooms. I've made eternity for you and it's going to be perfect for you. I've created the whole thing. I created everything now. Everything that you see that good here and now, I made it. And eternity is going to be, blow that all away. It's going to be what we have good here ten times better. takes away fear, doesn't it? He says, don't be afraid. Don't be troubled because your eternity is secure. You know, when someone we know who's good at something uh, and we find out that they're good at something and then they do that for us, it's great, isn't it? Like Jenny Darwin. She's not here today, so I can put her up in front. Jenny Darwin is a great cook. She's a fantastic cook. And when you've been invited to her place to go to a meal, you look forward to it because you know it's going to be brilliant. Jesus has created an eternity for us that is going to be stunning. He's created the best that we have here and he's making that even better. We want to look forward to it, don't we? You know, every day above ground may be good, but it's not the best. I wouldn't be dead for quids. I'll tell you what, death is actually going to be the best thing that happens to us if you trust and believe in Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. If you trust in me, then your eternity is secure. That's a great comfort to his disciples, isn't it? They're worried. They're concerned that if Jesus goes, does it all go? Jesus says, guys, your eternity is secure with me. Do not fear. That's what he says to you this morning too. Your eternity is secure with him. Do not fear, guys. And not only is your your eternity secure... But also your internal, here and now, is going to be changed as well. Your internal is secure too. Uh, you see, what happens is these guys, uh, throughout this discourse from John chapter 14 through to six, six, chapter 16, uh, the disciples come in and ask all these little questions because they're going through their mind thinking, what's happening here? They ask questions. Thomas asks one in verse 5. Philip asks one in verse 8. And Judas asks one in chapter 22. That's uh, not Judas Iscariot who betrays him, but another Judas. They're asking these questions. They want to know, how are we going to survive here, Jesus, without you? They've got questions running through their head. But Jesus, what about, what about while we're still here on earth, what are we going to do? How are we going to survive? How are we going to survive without you? How are we going to survive without you beside us, here teaching us with us all the time? Well, Jesus answers them throughout chapter 14 and he answers them in chapter 14, verse 15 to 27 and he states that I'm going to deal with your internals, guys. 
I'm going to enable you and empower you to change. Look at chapter 14, verses 15 to 27. It says, If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, the world can accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realise that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Now notice Jesus goes for a different answer. He doesn't answer that question. He goes for the real question underneath. Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the counsellor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you this as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You see how he's putting it together? See how what Jesus is doing here? He's comforting his disciples. He says, your eternity is secure and I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm sending another like me. I'm going to do an internal makeover for you as well. Uh, have you ever seen that show Domestic Blitz on television? You see Backyard Blitz, now it's Domestic Blitz. What they do is they come in, the team come into a family that are really struggling with life, whatever circumstances going on, they've got a sick child or they've had a difficult time, whatever, and they come in and they do this complete rearrange, makeover, changeover. They go outside, they redevelop the whole backyard, they come inside and they do up the house on the inside and they do amazing stuff. I don't know whether you've watched it, but there have been times when I've actually had a tear in my eye of I've watched as the people have walked in afterwards and seen the transformation that's happened to their home. You see, Jesus speaks words of comfort to his disciples who are afraid. Their life is in chaos. Things are going a mess. They don't know what's going on around them. They know what's going to happen to them. Their lives are upside down. How can they have order in this? How can they survive in this? And Jesus says to them, I will send you another counsellor. Now, that's not another shrink. That's not someone who's just going to get you on a couch and uh, talk to you. That's not the type of counsellor that Jesus is talking about here. The counsellor that Jesus is talking about here is another like him. That's what he means by another one. Another one like him. Another one who will come alongside you, who will actually take up residence inside you and be like a helper within you to change you, to transform you, to bring you the truth. You see, the word that's used for counsellor is a really hard word to translate in English. The word is paraclete in Greek. And people have used words like counsellor, advocate, uh, comforter, all these different words. It's a hard word just to put into one thing because it has a whole gamut of things that this word means. But in a sense, it's someone who comes, who lives within us, who gets beside us, who enables us, 
who helps us to live for Jesus now and forever. That's what all that word together mean. He's the one who comes in us to assure us that we are not alone in this life, that I will be with you, that Jesus was with us all the time. Look at verse 16. He says, forever, in verse 18, will be in you. In verse 18 again, will not leave you as orphans. In verse 26, will teach you. In verse 27, will assure us of peace and quiet assurance. In verse 26, he is the Holy Spirit. And you notice this counsel is not an it. It's a he, it's personal, it's relationship. And you notice that there is the Father and the Son and the Spirit in relationship coming to be in relationship with us. It's all a language of relationship. This is a he, the Holy Spirit is a person. He's come to dwell within us, to have relationship with us, to enable us to live holy lives, which are lives which are lived to love Jesus and to obey his commands. And his command, he says, in chapter 13 and in chapter 15, is that you love one another. This spirit comes in us, Jesus' spirit himself comes within us to assure us that we're not orphans, that we're not left out, but we are brought into the family of God, that we've been adopted. We're not left on the streets to fumble our way around. He brings us home. We have a home in Jesus and he comes and dwells within us, sets up residence within us. We have him. In this world, we'll never be alone. That's stunning, isn't it? Do you feel the gravity of this? If you trust and believe in Jesus... Your eternity is secure. If you trust and believe in Jesus, then your internal, your character, your soul is being is given a complete domestic blitz, a complete makeover. You're being transformed into one who will love as Jesus loved, living for him, obeying him, loved by him, and never, ever alone. How good is that? That is just stunning news, guys. Imagine the disciples, they're worried and then Jesus says, me going is the best thing for you. I'm not just going to be beside you, I'm going to be in you by my spirit. And that's the same for you and I when we trust in Jesus. Karina the other day at, uh, at our growth group said, oh, I'd just like it if Jesus was beside me and he could just talk to me. Well, this is actually saying to us, it's actually better that he's not because he's actually in us. He's not just here. He's actually inside us, changing us and working with us to become more like him. Now, I don't always feel that way, do you? I don't always feel that the Spirit's doing amazing stuff in my life. I don't always feel like I'm being transformed. I actually sometimes feel my character slip back a little bit at times. Uh, Sometimes I feel like my soul is in a rut. And if it's not in a rut, then it's travelling with a severe impediment. Uh, It's got a cracked head gasket. I'm not firing on all cylinders. And I've got black smoke coming out from places that I don't want it to come out of. 
And if you stuck me on a computer, if I was a car, and if you ask Dave Webster what these are, they're called ECU units. Uh, they plug them in and they check out what's happening in your car, your computer system. Uh, if you stuck one of those into me, it would read, yep, the spirit is in the engine, but there's some clogged spark plugs out there that need to be replaced by God's word. My headlights aren't exactly in the right spot. They need realigning on Jesus. Uh, my fuel line needs to be cleared out as the Spirit works more and more through my life. And my vision of Jesus needs growing. And when I don't feel like that, I see these things and when I come to this, I'm reminded of this stunning truth that I'm not alone. That I don't have to battle this by myself. That Jesus, by his spirit, is within me to make me more like him, to transform me. I'll tell you what, that is the most and the biggest supernatural job that Jesus does in our lives. So Jesus says to his disciples, so we can be sure of our eternity. We can be sure that we're going to be changed internally, uh, that you'll never be alone. And that we can also, Jesus says, we can be sure where the Holy Spirit is working with us to continue Jesus' ministry. Uh, He helps us deal with the external, with witnessing and with the persecution that we're going to get. So jump across to uh, chapter 15 of John. If you've got your Bibles, I'll look up there. It says this. When the counsellor comes, whom I'll send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, he goes out from the Father. He will testify about me, and you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. So what's the other part of the counsellor's job, of the Holy Spirit's job? Is he's going to go out with us and help us bring the good news of Jesus to people. We're in partnership with him. He's going to bring the good news to people and we need to be doing it with him. We're in partnership with the Spirit. We're not just doing it by himself. He's not just doing it by himself. We are together. We are a team to bring the good news of Jesus to people. And he's with us when people think we're stupid for believing in Jesus. Look at verses 1 to 14 of chapter 16. It says, All this I have told you so that you'll not go astray. They'll put you out of the synagogue. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. They'll do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I told you this so that when the time comes, you remember that I warned you. I did not tell you this at first because I was with you. And the Holy Spirit is going to be with us to help us when people say, Go to church? What on earth are you going to church for? Ah, you're a wuss. Fair dinkum. You've got to be a girl to go to church. Oh, that Jesus stuff, it's garbage. You've had the blinkers pulled over your eyes. Ah, oh, come on, guys. Let's get out of here. This is pathetic. What do you think you're doing following that sort of stuff? Why do you give all your time? They just want your money. They just want your time. The Holy Spirit is with us in those times to help us through that so that we don't go astray, so we don't fall for those lies so that we can stand firm with him. And the Holy Spirit is with us so that the world will come to know Jesus. Have a look at chapter 16, verses 5 to 11. It says this, Now I'm going to him who sent me, yet none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I've said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it's for your good that I'm going away. That's amazing, isn't it? It's better for Jesus not to be around. 
Unless I go away, the counsellor will not come to you because it's better if Jesus is inside us. But if I go, I'll send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. In regard to judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. The Holy Spirit is there with us to help people come to know Jesus, to realise that they need him, to realise that they're running their lives their way, that they're sinning against God, that they're trying to do things their way. And the Holy Spirit brings that conviction upon people so that they turn and say, I need you, Jesus. And the Holy Spirit helps us to understand the Bible and the truth about Jesus. Look at verses 12 to 13. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. What he's saying is that the Holy Spirit will open up the Bible to us so we understand it. He'll reveal the truth of God's word to us. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak of himself. He only speaks of what God says. He only reveals what God has said to us. He only reveals to us the truth of his word, which we find in the Bible. That's what he reveals to us. And we're not alone in that. And the Holy Spirit works to bring glory to Jesus. Look at verses 14 and 15 of chapter 16. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from me, take from what is mine and make it known to you. You see, the Holy Spirit never brings glory to himself. He doesn't want to stand up on the platform. He doesn't want to be up there with people bowing down to him, in a sense. He wants people focusing on Jesus. He sits in the background, in a sense, and points everyone to him. Uh, in Launceston, we have a thing called the Gorge. Now, those who have been to Tassie, you've seen that. Gorge runs up Launceston. It's an amazing part where a glacier came through and cut a path, path through the, the hills and it's right in the centre of Launceston. And a number of years ago what they did was to try and bring more people to the gorge to see what it was like, they put these huge spotlights in it so that when you go down in the evening these spotlights come up and you see the phenomenal shape of the gorge at night. It just highlights everything. You see these amazing features and you go, wow, that's stunning. That's the role of the Holy Spirit to Jesus. You don't walk around the gorge and go, gee, mate, that's a top-looking light, that is. I wonder where that came from. I wonder who made that. I wonder how halogen, how big's that light. I wonder what sort of bulb it's using. You don't do that. You're blown away by what it's pointing to. And that's what this is saying here, that the Holy Spirit brings glory to Jesus. He points people's vision to him so that we go, wow, that is Jesus, you're amazing. That's the role of the Spirit. That's what he does within us. He says, look to Jesus, guys. That is where it's at. And we've done a very big flyby, haven't we, over uh, chapters 14 to 16. And there's a lot of other stuff in there. But I wanted to just show you just how Jesus is comforting his disciples in a time of uncertainty and a time of fear. And how he does that by showing that their eternity is secure in him. That their internal is secure in him. That they're going to change. He's going to be changed by him. 
that the external is his as well. He wants to alleviate their fears and show that the Holy Spirit, the Jesus Spirit, Jesus within us, Jesus' wonderful provision to us, that our fear is taken away by that Spirit. That it's actually better that Jesus isn't standing here because now he's in here. He's in here changing us, comforting us, supporting us, helping us, teaching us, witnessing with us, witnessing to us, enlightening us to the truth of Jesus and never, ever leaving us alone. Enabling us to live for Jesus now and to continue Jesus' ministry today and continually. Jesus says to you and me this morning, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Trust in God. Trust in the Spirit. Trust in me. We, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. You can click it up, Alexander. We have your eternity, your eternal life, safe and secure. We are with you. And we will never let you go. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we uh, give you thanks and praise for the passage that we have before us. And uh, There's so much more in it than what we've even touched on this morning, but Lord, just in the brief time we've had, I want to praise you and thank you for you, for Jesus your spirit Lord thank you that in you you alleviate our fear in you we have an eternity secure in you we have you within us to change us and transform us in you Lord we have one who will enable us to witness for you and to handle the persecution that comes our way in you Lord we are never never alone Lord, we pray that that will sink in and change us and challenge us and transform us and encourage us and, Lord, that it will drive out all fear within us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.